So our filter in portion will be a welcome to everybody. Will be a, a Ricky adjacent band. Matt uh, Mountjoy had been on during the pandemic. Big Ricky fans. The Mountjoy. I don't know if anybody else. I know Matt. Matt is. Matt asked if anybody in Philly wanted to go see their show. The only person in Philly was CJ. CJ offered, said, yes, I'd love to go to the show. I told Matt, put CJ on the list. CJ, not on the list at the Fillmore. Was no, not was on not. the list. Yep. But got in because two nice people offered him tickets after he was stonewalled at the, at the will call. <laughs> the will call. <laughs> Brutal. I don't know if I can describe how I felt. Like my friend had came from Rutgers. I was introducing him to, you know, my, my new life in this new city. Yeah. And I offer this event to him. Hey, I got tickets from the band. Like how cool is that? <laughs> that I get to flex to my friends. It's pretty good that they big time you so hard. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you're on the list. Fuck, don't put that guy on the list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're offering a CJ, that's the best you're gonna give us? Yeah. No. <laughs> He's not even a host. <laughs> that's amazing well thanks and it was a good show it was Enjoy. great yeah they killed They're it it was live. awesome yeah Fillmore's a good venue there at next time you're doing it don't uh count on the band you seek geek there we go so all right there's that's the filter in story i i almost think i almost think that should be left in the pod so mountjoy matt from mountjoy gets shamed for or celebrated for not putting cj on the list or one or the other yeah it could work either way all right. <laughs> the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and is brought to you by SeatGeek. Get $20 off your first SeatGeek order by using code RTRS. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, LL Pavorsky Drillers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. And Kinetic Skateboarding, get free tunes for the life of the board with the purchase of any new snowboard this season. On the show today, a win over the Golden State Warriors that we all predicted and saw coming the last pod. Unfortunately, you can't go back and check that, but we did all predict it. We'll talk about that. The trade market is heating up as Daryl Morey is engaged with a few teams in his search to acquire a, quote, top 25 player for number 25. I wanted to go through and figure out how many players could be arguably top 25 players. And, uh, and that's about it. Um, thank you to Mount Joy for screwing CJ and not getting him the tickets. He he absolutely deserved it. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy whose name is always on the list, plus one, Mike Levin. List man. List. Love it. Saying my name, <laughs> putting on the list, all of it. Very important. Anyone, anyone who has ever been on the list for anything, any concert, there is that anxiety and fear and almost the knowing thing as you go up to present your name that your name will not be on the list. And well, the, sure. I mean, you feel like you feel like you're fake. You feel like you're just yes. posing. Yes. And then and then when it's not on the list, just the awful, are you sure it's not on the list? Did you check the right list? While you're questioning their ability to do their jobs, sure. is, is there a different list for maybe me or other people? Are you sure? Your name's, if it's not on the list, it's not on the list. We're you still know? writing things down by hand on paper, right? There's not a list. There's no emailed <laughs> list. It's just scraps of paper with various names on them. Uh, I love it. What Tough for game. CJ, but it's good to have to be put in his place. Let's be, yeah, let's be honest, CJ deserved it. 
Yeah, and we've mentioned before, now that we do most of the shows live, there's a lot less work for him to do. So, <laughs> you know, maybe spending some of the time waiting at Will Call to get into the show. Maybe we're getting some of that time back. Getting some Part of, of that the job. Back. Part yeah. of the job. Well, that wasn't a win I saw coming. It was a little fishy. I thought about an hour or two before the game, opened up DraftKings Sportsbook. I was like, hmm, Sixers only two and a half point underdogs. It's a little weird. Feels like it should be four and a half or five. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and honestly, even, even at the end of the game, they won. They played well. I, I still can't point to anything. We'll talk about some highlights from the game. Obviously, Thibel played well. Drummond had a good game. And B played well defensively. I think what, really, if, if you're going to talk about anything that really caused that win was a commitment to defense and a, a execution on defense that we have not seen, you know, super often this season that, you know, the Warriors missed some shots, but I thought that was the real standout thing that happened last night. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think to your point that it felt surprising that they won. I think the crowd didn't believe that they would win until the song started playing. Yeah. I think it, it was very, it was still like, there's still 16 seconds left. We're only up nine. Like it could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great win. It was a, yeah. it was a really, really good win. Um, and I'm, proud of the guys and I'm I felt I felt joy watching it the defensively was just like they didn't beat in Thibault Matisse was incredible that was the best defense I've ever seen him play might have been the best defense I've ever seen anyone play it was just absolutely ridiculous um to I love that Doc matched his minutes it's just like we're not gonna do like let's try Danny on him for four minutes like let's let's try Seth just to like mix up it's like we're matching it's Matisse and Matisse is taking the assignment and he's going to make it as hard on him as possible. Mm-hmm. And it felt like there were several moments in that game that was like the Drew Kyrie moment when Drew was a rookie. We talk about this all the time. Like there's there's yeah. so few like great Sixers memories that we just keep repeating the same like seven. Um, but one of them was when Drew was a rookie and, and like totally locked up Kyrie on the perimeter and the fans like went, went crazy. And it was like, this is a special thing. And there was like yeah. many moments of that for, for Matisse. Um, it, he changes direction so fast on defense to match other guys' movements. Uh, like he flips his hips so fast to like get around screens and then to like because Seth is just constantly moving. I mean, he's talked about it in post game. Like it's so hard to keep up the energy, and you feel like you want to like every time you make him pass the ball, you're like, oh, thank God, like I did my job, great. But he just relocates and so quickly gets another spot, and you just can't give in for like a second. And Matisse did a great job of just staying engaged, staying active on there regaining balance and like momentum just he feels like he can go full speed in one direction and then stop and like reverse course immediately without looking like a total like flailing lunatic like he just he really is an incredible athlete uh defensively you almost wish his offense like he would just like just pretend your offense is matching someone else's offense just pretend like you're playing defense like if imagine someone what they would be doing on offense um but he was incredible uh joel his fo- yeah. just a real quick thing on Thibel. His th- the thing that he's not always great at is focus and and sort of limiting his amount of gambling. And when you're playing against Curry, you do have to focus in a way and play almost conservative in a way. And he did have those two blocks, which were amazing, but mm-hmm. play conservative in a way that he's not used to playing. And it was as great a defender as he is. I wouldn't always say that he's like the shutdown guy. You know, because he's not particularly strong and he does tend to float a little bit, but he didn't against Curry. And it was a it was a good example of I thought focus defensively that he had that we don't always see that if he was able to maintain, obviously with some offense there, but if he's able to do things like that, um, he can be a real difference maker, you know? Yeah, it felt like watching some like like guy on the street who's like doing whether it's like multiple uh, pieces of like a musician, like a like a music, you know, it's when guys are doing like, <laughs> I'm butchering it, but like they're doing like Andrew Bird, who's like setting up like 17 stations at once. And he's like somehow keeping the beat at like 17 things. And he's like juggling and he's doing other things like some sort of like circus act. Everyone's watching him being like, don't drop it. Don't drop it. Don't right, drop right, it. And right, he's just right, like right. so locked in on on stuff the whole time. It was really, really, really impressive. Um, 
in the post game interview, which is always funny when like a random person gets interviewed on national TV, and Matisse is like that guy. Like Shake has done it sometimes, like once in a while. It's like you know Dario been like it's always fun when it's it's like it's not just Embiid or Simmons. It's like somebody else. And so it was Embiid and Matisse, and uh, Matisse said post game that Joel was like the the record. Steph breaking uh, Ray Allen's three point record is not happening. In our house, this is my city. It's not happening. And then they, and then they just like delivered it. And it's it's fun. Like it's a fun boost of energy for those guys. Joel was obviously incredible defensively. Also, the two of them on the court together have struggled at times and have struggled offensively. Um, and they're still finding out the right lineup combinations. But like they're they're just really good. And off of the um, last thing I'm gonna tease, the game just is so different when he hits a couple threes. Like yeah. it's it's not he hit two threes that game and it's and he didn't play excellent offensively or whatever, but like as long as there's something there, as long as they have to get out a little bit, he hits two and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we can't just let that happen. It's it's amazing how quickly that happens. It's the same thing, it's the same thing with like Simmons and foul shots. It's like once you hit like hit like three or four in a row, then it's like, okay, they're not gonna do that anymore. It's really hard to like these are professional athletes. The coaches are really reluctant to give up anything. And as soon as you make it a little bit like, okay, capable, then it changes the whole outcome and, and, and how they're defending you and stuff. Um, the the defense-wise, like, I think that some of it was just them missing shots. Some of it was the Sixers allowing the bad shooters to shoot, like whether it's Iguodala or Draymond or whatever. But, like, they were playing... Uh, I thought it was interesting how they were playing pick and roll. Because on Steph, it was like, all hands on deck, double everything, get the ball out of his hands, like five alarm fire emergency. But then for a guy like Jordan Poole, who honestly has just changed his game to emulate everything Steph does, which is pretty cool. He's turned himself into a really, really good player. He's um, fucking awesome. Yeah, Jordan Poole is awesome. He's, he's a great player. So fun to watch. Um, and they were playing him like, okay, he's just a regular guy. And Embiid would drop. And then when Embiid drops, it's like, oh, here's one quick, easy screen from Kevon Looney and it's a wide open three and they did that like three or four times whether it's it was mostly on Jordan Poole but I think I think there was one time he did it on Steph also I think it was like an end of a quarter thing when Draymond was like oh I see that my guy is dropping and I can set one screen and have one of the best three-point shooters in the league or in in Steph's case of all time just have like a wide open three and it's like okay we can't do that anymore like if that's it just seems like we've we've talked about the pick and roll dropping and pick and roll over and over again for so long and like if that's against John Morant or if that's against De'Aaron Fox then it's fine. And that's what you do. You want to beat around the rim. But how many times do we like have to learn the lesson of like, don't do that against shooters because yeah. they will eat you alive. Whether it's like a couple of years ago against Kemba or Dame has done it a million times or like any of those kinds of guys that can actually make you pay with pull-up jumpers and just making it so easy on them. Like there's one thing where it's like, oh, it's a contested shot, but it's like literally wide open. It's a practice shot. Yeah. And, and they had to do that three or four times before they did it. And then they finally changed and then it was really Drummond who who stepped up and started like blitzing pick and roll guys, get the ball out of their hand, hustling his ass off back. I thought Drummond hustled his ass off all game long. I was really impressed by how he played. It was um, a good then, drumming game. It was a great drumming game. And then Embiid in the post-game interview said, like, yeah, Steph killed them last year and dropped coverage, and he wasn't gonna let it happen again. But it's like, well, that's he's not the only shooter in the league. And right. it just seems like too often it's it's like at the beginning of every game, it's like It'd be like if Doc started every every game with like Danny on Trey Young. He's like, well, let's see if it works this time. It's like it's not going to work. It's not going to work against actual shooters, and it just it takes the juice out of the game. And 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 like because you're just like, why are we making it so easy on them? But then they didn't, and then they adjusted, and and they won because of it. They outscored them thirty two twenty in the fourth. The whole Golden played to twenty points in the fourth quarter is insane. We mentioned CJ did not get into Mount Joy last night. That would, or he did get in, but he was not on the list. That won't happen if you use SeatGeek because your your purchase is guaranteed. You're getting real tickets on SeatGeek. You're not fucking some fakakta list that you're supposed to be on. SeatGeek is the only place to buy tickets for anything: sporting events, comedy, concerts. Don't rely on being on the list. If you and your ass would like to go to a show, make sure you use SeatGeek. Uh, and, you know, you Google, where am I buying concert tickets? You see 75 different links to 75 different places. You don't know what a good deal is. You're going to get, you're going to know what a good deal is on SeatGeek because they score them for you. So our friend Amos Lee is playing the Met in April. And you're like, ah, oh, what's a good deal? Well, I'm looking on here. You can get second row center, row BBB for $201 a ticket. That is 
9.7, an amazing deal. And a comparison, you know, five rows behind that, there's row EEE, which is 299 a ticket, which is actually more expensive. 0.2 they score it, a bad score. And if you want to sit up in the Mez, there's amazing deals there for 48 bucks a ticket. That's what SeatGeek is. That's why it's the only ticketing app you need. The app, the website, whatever it is, SeatGeek. That's why they have so many five-star reviews. I think 50,000, way more than us. Use code RTRS for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase, whether it's a concert ticket, sporting event, comedy, whatever it is. Use code RTRS for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Use Geek. It's the only ticketing app you need. You don't need to go to these other sites. You don't need to worry about what a good price is. Not if you use Geek. You don't have to worry about being on the list. SeatGeek.com, the app, promo code RTRS. Uh, Maxi had a, a pretty solid night, I thought, too. Maybe his best night since Embiid came back. Defensively, he was like pretty decent, I thought. And offensively, I thought... Uh, he's still figuring it out, but I, I seem to find his place a little bit better than he has in recent games. Yeah, he hit two corner threes early. That's always really nice to see. Um, there were a couple like mic'd up segments where Joel was like kept telling him to like keep yeah. shooting, keep going. Um, yep. <laughs> I, that, I mean, that drive when he on Draymond where he flipped it in over his head was just such a special shot. And like sometimes like circus shots go in. But the thing with Maxi is that it's not just he like flips one in and it like caroms off the glass and goes in. He just has some knack for putting it on the on the rim softly mm-hmm. and it finds a way in. Like if I if I did that exact shot and and flipped it over my head, it it would break the backboard. Like there'd be a, a the rim would fall off. It would just it would come in so hard. And for him to take that shot and it just like just delicately like slides in is unbelievable. It's sort He's, of Kyrie-esque a little bit. Kyrie is a little, does a little more with like English on the ball and high off the yeah. glass, but that way that you're like, ah, oh, there's no way that shot's going to go in. Yeah. And he just and puts Kyrie it there. Does. It's crazy. He hits yeah. like the back rim, which for everybody else, that's like on a Tobias shot, that's like out in half court. And, but yeah. for somehow it gets it there. And I, I just, there's something, I don't know how you like quantify and like teach touch, but sometimes just like the way that you have it, like is, Something about the way he shoots the ball is crazy. I also, yeah, I wanted to point out the Joel did roll one time and Maxi found him underneath and it was like, there it is. But Joel like didn't make the catch because I think he's so not used to rolling and getting the ball and any, in any like somewhat low situation. Um, so I, um, I liked it, seeing it. I'd like to see more of it. Maxi defensively, like I thought he was great also. I mean, selfishly, like he's obviously not the defender on the lengths of like Simmons or, uh, or Matisse or Danny. But I I, I kind of love it when he gets a like a, a switch onto Steph or like any covering whether it was Dame or whatever covering like a quick point guard him on, against a taller guy like they've had to put him on like Wiggins sometimes which is which is just tough and you, he's just not big enough but like when he's on a on a small guard that's quick I love seeing him like get engaged and like kind of using his quickness to like hound the ball handler it's it's like it's just a fun because he gives a shit so much you can really tell. Um, and even and as he improves as a defender, it's just cool to see. He had two blocks. One of them was like a huge block from behind. That was crazy. Um, it was it was a really nice max game. He's still like, but the point the point I made a couple pods ago where it's like he can now get to the rim and and the teams know that he's pretty much the only the only person on the team that's going to get to the rim quickly. So they they're adjusting to that and and help comes when he beats his guy off his dribble. And I just there's a couple times when he gets gets into no man's land of like oh I got a, a beat on the rim like. No one's gonna come here and get me, but like three guys come over. He's he's got to be able to think quickly in the moment and get the ball out to an open guy quicker. But I thought it was a nice game. Uh, I just love him so much. I just I really like the the joy that I feel that watching him play is unsurmountable. Like it's it's been a long time since I've had, there's been a a player that is like that just fun to watch on this team. Tobias Harris continues his uh, I would say I don't I don't. The numbers probably agree, but his worst season as a sixer so far doesn't look sort of confused, looks slower than ever. You sort of wonder if there's, you you know, there was a knee thing at the beginning of the year. You, I'm not making excuses for Tobias Harris. Like, you know, nice guy. Wish he wasn't on the team. Wish he wasn't making all that money, but don't think he's that good. All that kind of stuff. But there is a tentativeness even more than normal and a pop 
like less pop than he's ever had. And he just bad and does, does not look right on top of being overpaid. Currently. Yeah. I think they're like going to him less. I, I think it's, it is a conscious choice. Like he took nine shots last night, um, yeah. which is pretty wild. Shake took 12. Um, Tobias, he got to the line seven times. I thought that was nice. Um, he took four threes. Like it's just, it was a very, I think there's so many Tobias games where you're like, okay. And as long as you're not dying with while watching, I don't mind the like quiet Tobias games. He's like, okay, he got 16 and nine. He moved the ball pretty well. There weren't any too many possessions where I wanted to gouge my eyes out. Like helpful presence on the court. He's just never going to be like, there's some games where he's going to get like 30, like randomly because he gets hot or just gets the ball in the right spot or the right matchup or whatever. But I'm, I'm totally fine, especially if, we, if he's getting to the line, which I don't think is anything that we can count on, but no, I'm, I'm fine. What with makes these, you say that? These kinds of games for sure. Um, dr- I just want to say there was like, it really was the best drumming game of the season, better than the, like, at least dr- the best drumming game in the sense of like, this is going to be his role. Like showing other teams a different look when Embiid's not there in the 15, 16 minutes a game that he has on the court. And I just like that he maximized it. And he was just like, I'm going to roll. I'm going to try to like dunk every time I get the ball, which you fucking should because you're huge. Um, he tried to like end Nemanja Bialica, which is great because Bialica deserves it. Long time enemy mm-hmm. of the process. Yeah. Um, and and just like really the effort on the defensive end was was very high. Like he forced turnovers. He was his, his arms were getting out there. He was slapping the ball down. Like it really is. He is right now more consistently mobile on defense than Embiid is. And I think partially is as Embiid knows where he has to be and, and that's around the rim. But like I feel more comfortable for long stretches of time with Drummond blitzing ball handlers than I would with Embiid because Embiid just He's like, a little bouncier, which is frightening to say yeah, out loud. For sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um so I thought that I thought that was nice. I mean uh I w- this yeah defensively it was a great game i still get really frustrated watching seth defensively and there's just nothing he can do he's like, so slow he's just he's just slow. so he's so slow and he's so small and they have they have him covering andrew wiggins it's just like well there is something he could do he'd be a little less chubby you know like he could sure but i mean like gym. he's never gonna wiggins is six seven inches taller than him already and also elevates so much on his shot already it's just like it's a free just how many times like helplessly are we watching seth get his like little hand up and it's just like come on man I don't know. I, that's that's why it's like he's he's a great player. He's a great offensive player. He carries them a lot of times on offense, and it's just like such a mismatch on the defensive end. There's never, there's just not going to be a team when it's like okay, great, that's a perfect matchup on Seth. Unless we're playing against Danny Green, <laughs> like that's the perfect that Seth can cover Danny. But like, and they could be great on each other. Actually, they should just allow each other to cover each other, even on the same team. But like, he just can't. He can't do much, and it's just it's it's. You watched Herder do it in the in the Hawk series, and it's it is a concern of like if if you like as good as he is offensively, as much as they need him offensively, as nice as the as the him him and Embiid two man game is, I just wonder like if you're going to get a guy, like can you package him with Ben to go get the guy. So then it, it opens up so you can keep Maxi in the starting lineup or whatever it is. Cause he, who can like, well, handle himself against maybe a little bigger guys or whatever. If, if, if the person that you're getting is a shooter, I don't, that I don't all, know. that all depends on what, what that team is doing that you're trading. Him of, course, to, of course. Right. Of course, like if that yeah. team wants to compete now, Seth is helpful. If yeah. that team is building, then, you know, then it's Maxi or bust, I think. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, just last, last thing, the, yeah. um, the Joel, I've been negative the past few season, this season. Um, but they are 12 and five now when Joel plays. And as, as have, ugly as it looks sometimes, and it's not like a huge sample size to be like, that's who they are going to be whenever Embiid plays as a 12 and five style team. Um, but they're 12 and five when he plays. And after a, a really good Michael Connor article about how consistently bad they've been for years, his whole career. When Embiid's not on the floor, they did look better without him on the court. I mean, it's gonna, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna hold up. But once in a yeah, while, it can. And and I just wonder, like, it's it's frustrating to watch this team. It's frustrating to have as many slow people and slow decision makers 
uh, on this team and slow shot takers primarily on this team. But like when you have Embiid, you're just going to be good. And so maybe I'm, maybe I've been too negative about it, even Call though I, even though I got- think all the things that I think, but like about like this team competing at a high level when, when they're this slow and, and how much well, else they're going to struggle. But like when they even be, they're going to be good enough. And and if he's there, maybe it's just, maybe it's just fine. You know? The two, yeah. We get, we got, we got some pushback at you calling him a playing team. Your, your emotion swings with the game that was immediately prior. Yeah. That's part of, part of the joy. Part of the, of part you. of the, part of the job. Look, we're going to do 7,000 podcasts a season. I'm going to react yeah. each yep. one individually. Yeah, it's a time sure. capsule, okay? And and you can't listen to them after they're they're over anyway. So no, after you've no. already listened to it, it's gone. The, I mean, the realistic thing with Embiid, here's the, the two things, is that they they can be good, but they'll never be the way the team is currently constructed. Not good enough, but yeah. they can be better than they were. But then the other thing on it is like Embiid, is just going to miss 20 or 25 games every season. He's going to. He's already missed 8 or 10. He only needs to miss, you know, 10 more or 12 more to get to that number again. Sure. And and we we just can't COVID can't is a ever... separate thing than like the injury stuff generally. Yeah, but it, it still it still just happened. Sure. It just yeah. happened. It happens you know? to any especially in seasons like this. Yes. Your best player's going to you got to survive. And then his even even if you don't count the COVID thing, which you can't as like the injury thing, he's even if he has a good season when he only misses 12 games, now we're at 20 again. So the, some of the emails were like, well, as long as Joel is healthy, I, we just, we can't play that game anymore. Where we, I think we have to count on him missing 20 games in a season. And the goal would be just having him healthy for the first time, fully healthy in the playoffs would be nice. But as far as the regular season goes, it's just like, He's he's gonna get hurt sometimes. That's sort of how he's built, you know. Magically, yeah. that that pretty bad rib injury uh, went away. It's, it seemed no, like... he he was rubbing it last night. Oh, was he? I don't yeah, think he was. I he, could, he was like stretching and doing some like trying to get it out. I don't know what it is. He said he, he was having trouble breathing uh-huh. um, in the previous game, and I, I don't know. In the it's, previous he thought, one, he said. Yeah, he thought it was a weird cramp, but you could tell he was still like uh-huh. something was weird about it. Which maybe he's just getting older. I don't know. Hmm. Um, and he's, he's also like, I think the, the speed, the, the speed comment that I, that I bring up a lot is like, it's not just, okay, beat somebody off the dribble. It's also like, get into your sets fast enough so that you can have options and not just like, if they take away one thing, it's like, okay, then just like stand, somebody's going to have to hoist a shot with like the shot clock expiring. Like Joel, a lot of the times will try to get them going faster to get the ball in the post because they'll double him in the post, especially if, if the other, other players aren't beating him. And then he'll want to get the ball back immediately after because it's hard to like double, recover, and then double again in the same possession. So like I would love to see them try to repost a little bit more after the double team. Like he kicked it out to Maxi one time and Maxi like swung it around and it's like just give him the ball back again. Like let him get that, let him get it because I feel like it's tough to just continuously in the same possession double. So I think that that is a Another point in favor of like just move the ball quicker, get it to yeah. him quicker in the clock. I was going to say their inability to even get hit to him in the post during a single possession. I You're know, saying to do it a second time. It's like it's amazing. Really Matisse is weirdly the best post entry passer on the team. It's so bizarre yeah. how he can just be like, "Yeah, I'm tall and I can just do it," and he's like, "There it is." Like he can make a quick decision. There, it's very bizarre. Everybody else has to look at it for 15 seconds first. Um, shake. Another wasn't a statistically perfect shake game, but I thought he he was big in carrying the bench unit. Um, he's been good this year. When they he's came, been. he's he's been he's been just good. Um, he he's so good at decelerating and getting contact and finishing, going left, um, creating for Drummond. Always throws some nice lobs. Just like he's just a really really good third guard, bench guard. Complaining less. Whining, definitely, definitely like, complaining less. Definitely yeah. complaining less. Yeah, more uh, under control, a little less passionate in a good way. And yeah. I think is, is something that he has needed. He's been awesome, and it was nice to see Corkmans at a three, and then immediately yeah. have another heat check three right after it. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, like that's... I called for two months, I hit one, I'm <laughs> taking another. <laughs> it's gonna, well, that's it's what going he's got to do. You can't yeah. figure out if you're hot unless you shoot enough. So, that's right. all right, we're going to talk about the trade market heating up. 
according to many, many reporters, right after we talk about our sponsor, Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, as we head into the holidays and Christmas, you want to sue somebody. Cornblow and Cornblow is where you go to sue somebody. Who wants doesn't want to sue somebody for the holidays? Sue a family member, sue a business. No, I'm just kidding. So Cornblow and Cornblow, our trusted law firm here, will help you out with anything. Adam has helped out a lot of Ricky listeners with a lot of different issues, what they specialize in. Cornblow meaning Adam and his mom, uh, who his parents started this law firm 40 years ago, now have become sort of like the premier boutique personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley. And the reason that they are so good and the reason I feel so confident recommending Cornblow and Cornblow is that you see and hear advertising for a lot of personal injury law firms. And you're like, ah, is that legit? Is that legit? When I say boutique, I mean like they are taking care of you. They're not, they're not sending you off to a different lawyer. If it's a personal injury case, they're taking care of you. They're not just a referral service. And Adam is a guy who will come to your house if he needs to. You don't have to, they've got a bunch of offices around the Delaware Valley, but you don't have to go there. He will come to you. And you don't have to let him in. He has a key. Yeah, <laughs> that's how good he is. Don't worry about he's, it. He's already got a key to your home. Uh, I I trust Adam and a a personal injury lawsuit. You need somebody trustworthy. It's going to take a long time. They're always a pain in the ass. So you need somebody you trust that you can um, that you can depend on. And Adam Kornblau is the guy to do it. If you think you might have a have a case, give him a call or shoot him an email. If you've been hurt in any way. You know, car accident, slip and fall, whatever it is, doesn't cost you anything to reach out. 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam. Tell him you're a Ricky person. Or email cornblau at cornblau and cornblau.com. The and is spelled out in that email address. Again, and if you have a different legal question that's not personal injury and you need to bounce it off of somebody, he gets back to all of our listeners almost right away. Just a great dude. Cornblau and Cornblau, the official law firm of the process. Um, and as I mentioned, Christmas um, and suing somebody, if you don't want to sue somebody for Christmas, Kinetic Skateboarding, they just got some of our t-shirts in-house. So in at Kinetic, they have our Ricky reprints, which are sold out in-store at Kinetic Skateboarding right there on 202. Um, and while you're in there, just do a lot of other shopping. So kineticskateboarding.com. And if you're going to pick up a snowboard, free tunes for life. If you buy that snowboard now, have some new New Balance I saw that are coming on the website tonight at midnight. Fucking love Kinetic. Okay. Trade market. Woj reports that the Blazers are 100% not making Lillard available to the Sixers in a tweet. Seemed like a tweet that went to Woj's millions of followers, but was directed at one Daryl Morey. It was just a tweet for him, 100%. They are 100% not making Lillard available in trade talks with the Sixers. <laughs> also another Woj tweet, the Blazers are not interested in a Tobias Harris for CJ McCollum swap, which I thought was funny too. I just imagine all of Daryl Morey's trade talks being like him just continuously sending shit offers to teams over and over again until they break, like things that they don't want to do. The only thing that was notable with that is that is the first time that I've heard Tobias Harris's name in a actually sourced trade rumor. You know, we've talked about it and I think Sixers fans have talked about it, but that's the first time. Not that it was a rumor, but clearly his name was brought up. You know, yeah. I think that's the, the new first. the new Blazers GM is just texting Woj like here's the trades I'm not interested in. <laughs> yeah. The long so list. Good. And then this started from ESPN reporting, Adrian Wojnarowski with Zach Lowe, Philadelphia's trades conversations on number 25, gathering momentum in recent days, more teams engaged, more and two and three way structured talks going ongoing as 76ers try to land a top 25 player for him. So I thought that was interesting. So Zach's podcast with Bobby Marks, who... Mm -hmm has the worst accent in sports. He said in that podcast, I haven't, like Zach said, I haven't heard anything. There's been no rumblings, nothing whatsoever. And then like an hour after that, he he, he yeah. put that report out, which is very strange. I don't think if Zach says that he wouldn't have said that, like it's not like he's lying for the sake. I think it, it, that probably just like developed pretty quickly or it's yeah. just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know the ins and outs of like when things get reported and why, uh, why it comes like that. Like, 
nobody needs that to be reported, right? It's not That's like the weirdest thing about this is the the public, unless unless it is Maury trying to send out a message. Because remember, Woj reports a lot of things without Zach Lowe. He doesn't tag Zach yeah. Lowe in all of his tweets, right? Yeah. So unless it is Maury trying to get out there that somebody's interested to try to get other to try to spark the market again, I don't know. It's been very quiet recently. You yeah. know, I have no idea. I have no so, idea either. But we're the pointedly top 25 player mm-hmm. feels like we're trying to eliminate some some players from that and everyone's got a different definition top 25 player is about 45 players long for some people. so yeah so that i tried to come up with a list of players who were debatably top 25 who because my first reaction was as soon as I saw that, I emailed Zach and I got nothing out of this, but I emailed him. I'm like, all right, who do we have to convince ourselves as top 25? Like, well, what is the the bit here? So I I want I want to try to come up with a line here. I've there's some obvious ones. Just tell me when you when we get to somebody that you don't think is debatably top uh, 25. Because I think all of these players are not for sure top 25, but debatably. Okay. LeBron, Durant, Curry, Harden. Anthony Davis, uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, Zach Levine, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, LaMelo Tyler Ball. Tyler Hero, come on. Well, he's debatably. No, he's not. He's not Jeez. a top 25 player right now. Not a chance. No one in the world would say he's a top 25 player. He's just scoring 23 points a game, five assists, four boards. Sure. No He's deba- he would be on this list. Sure. Sure he is. Um, I, disagree. I disagree. I'm sorry you were wrong about Tyler Hero and I was right, but it will, like, it's going to continue for years and years and years. So you, you, you should probably just like mail it in now. Um, <laughs> right, man. He's the best player in the league. No, he's not the best player in the league, but he's certainly like, I think 29, like how many teams would rather, my original point being that, like that started this whole Tyler Hero thing is that I could see why Houston would want Tyler Hero on his contract rather than 25 on his. And everybody had a just like a, a, a crybaby fit over it. I think like 90% of teams would rather have Tyler Hero on his contract than Simmons on his at this point. On the, on the contract, maybe, but on, as a player, I still think that it's not the case. Hmm. Uh, LaMelo Ball, Bradley Beal, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam, I don't, think, I don't think anyone's thinking Siakam's top 25. Debatably, though. You don't think he could... If if, if the trade was... Here's here's the line I'm trying to find out. If, if they're saying top 25 and the trade includes Siakam, could somebody make a reasonable argument that he would be in that sort of class? Forgetting about actual top 25, but the class top 25. Isn't Siakam right at the... Given the last two or three years, right at the bottom of that, that somebody could make the argument? I think you can consider top 25. I think the top like 15 is pretty un, like undeniable. And then from like 16 to 40, yeah, you can you can get in that mix and I think Siakam is outside of that 40. Really? Yeah. Hmm, okay. Um uh, I do not. I I I think he is right if on. putting it. DeRozan and Bam and Van Vliet and those guys in it, then I think that there's just, I am. you run out of, you you run out of room. I am. Um well Bam Bam is debatably top 25. Yeah. But 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 I but I think the top to your point I think the top twenty five is more than twenty five players in that 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 sixteen to forty five are different versions of the same thing in a lot of ways and it's really just who you who you want to argue for that day um, so Van Vliet, Julius Randall, Miles Turner, uh, Demontis Sabonis I, I, I think Turner I think Turner is debatable also. Okay. Like, like on the on the fringe and the closer to fifty than twenty five. Uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards. Um, now would have the value obviously of a yeah. lot higher top twenty five. Yeah, yeah. With um, I don't think he's a top twenty five player at this point, but I, not value right wise. Sure. Yeah, value wise would certainly be there. Um, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, I don't DeJounte. Think CJ I don't think CJ can. I don't think anyone's saying CJ. 
You don't think he'd be top 40? No. I think CJ and Tobias and Pascal Siakam are in the late late 40s, closer to 50 than Well, else. I would say that I think CJ and Pascal Siakam would be way more desirable than Tobias Harris. I don't think they're in the same group. I think Tobias the, the, Harris, ESPN's top 100, which I looked at the other day, to do, to do the top 25, like who's going to be called it. Like DeRozan was lower than Tobias. Like there's, there's people that are, that are up, that are above now. And Tobias was somewhere in the 40s, I think. And there's they're they're in those mix, but yeah, I mean, think like top twenty five. That means less than one player in every team, and some players have two of those players. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So some teams have two of those players. So it's like think of Jokic and Murray and Kawhi and Paul George, and so to, you know to finish Jaylen it off and Jason like those those kinds of things. It's like there's there's not everyone's going to get in that in that mix. To finish it off, uh, Dejounte Murray, Shea Gilgis Alexander, no, not Dejounte, no. He would have the value of that, though. I don't think so. He, he would have. He's been good this year, but he's there's there's some MCW stats on a bad team. I think he's better than that, obviously. But there's he's been good, but he's not. I don't think anyone would consider him a top twenty five player. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Michael Porter Jr. I don't think not a, not even close for me. I think he's always never been a lot lower on him than everybody else, and now he consider the injury list situation. Like I don't think anyone's considering that. Hmm. So do you have anything else on this? I mean, did you say Jalen Brown? Oh no, I forgot to even look at the Celtics. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I, but I think it's like no one knows who's available until they're available. No one's going to say like this guy. We want to make this guy available, except for like, you know, the the Pacers and Blazers, which are, uh, you know, opening up for business slightly. But you look at. Those guys, and you're just like, which team is going to decide to, to either make a big change, or make a, um, decide that like, they're not going to contend this year. There are not that many people tanking. We can, you know, we can take this weird COVID season and restock and retool and go from there. I don't know. And then one of those teams has to want Ben to be one of those guys. Just very bizarre. We're in the same place. I mean, we've just been in the same place for a really long time. We've been eyeing these kinds of players for a really long time. I would love for it to be Jalen Brown. Would be a perfect fit in my There's mind. There's no way the Celtics There's would do a, that though, right? I think that I think the Celtics are struggling. Like they're they're in bad shape. There's Marcus Smart is like calling them out. Like every they're not they're not pleased there. And as much as you know, would, Ben and Joel have gotten the the like, can they coexist? And now Turner and Sabonis have gotten the co- can they coexist? Like Jalen and Jason, like they're they should be they should be better together. And they kind of haven't been. And maybe it's because they need someone with a slightly different skill set. I don't know. I'm not saying like Ben's the answer or anything. But if they make you, that decision to to move on from there. Or or they are in a three-team where they get Miles Turner or Sabonis or something like that. Right. Uh, I think it would have to be a three-team. I can't imagine. I, I just can't imagine they're ending up with Ben Simmons. Yeah. And I would feel, I mean, you know, pretty terrified to do another deal with Boston. Because <laughs> it's of the past. Um, but I love I can't Jalen wait Brown to see. I can't wait to see what happens to Jalen Brown if he ends up on the Sixers. For sure. I do love, I love Jalen Brown. I'm always awesome. really, really, he's such a fun guy to root for and, and watch play and everything. Um, so that'd be cool. And then do you do like, it, Fred Van Vliet, I don't think is a top 25 player, but if Van Vliet and Ananobi, they combine enough to be a top 25 player kind of thing. There is no way they're getting Ananobi for Ben Simmons and Fred Van Vliet. There, there keeps being these conversations, man. They're, they keep, what, what, they keep wait, popping up. When have you seen a conversation with OG Ananobi mentioned? Well, people, when people discuss it, when people in media, it's like, if I don't think that, like, I love Ananobi, but like around the league, he's still like, he's getting paid like, tw- you know, 20 million kind of thing. If they, if Toronto's not good right now, they're in like, they're behind the play in situation. Um, they might think that they just don't have the star power over there and they might decide, let's, Let's see if we can have a team full of like six, nine, very switchable wings and stuff. And Van Vliet doesn't fit that calculus or something. Or Ananobi, they don't believe that his offense is ever going to get to the point where they want him to take that many shots a game or whatever. I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I, I do not believe that if you call the, the contracts aside, I don't believe that if you call the Raptors and offer them Ben Simmons for OG Ananobi, they would say yes. I don't think so. Maybe. I don't know. We don't know. It's, it's yeah. Ben is a guy that everybody has very wildly different opinions on and values on. And especially whether they be, you know, whether they're le- leaking to the media or not, like 
he is he is one of the most interesting players in the NBA. And if you can build a team where he is on, becomes a different player than he has been lately here, it's just interesting. I, I I'm I'm very excited. Like obviously emotionally and from a fan perspective, we're very wrapped up in the Sixers getting the best value out of Ben Simmons. But as like if I can if I can uh, Kevin O'Connor myself for a second and divorce myself from the Sixers as a fan, I'm just interested to see what happens with the rest of Ben's career. Um, because if he does go somewhere else and starts to shoot, then it's it's just a different situation. And I would feel even even if it happens, even if he does start to shoot, I'll feel like sure I'll feel like bitter and resentful about it. But I'll also just be excited to not have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> and so if he starts doing it for someone else, I'd be like, okay, interesting. This is a fun experiment um, where I'm not like counting on it so, so much and like we have been for years. You know, one, one funny thing that people always talk about him is like he's this floor raiser. And if you get him, you know, you're basically a playoff team. It's just so funny to think about the great players who have been on teams who have not been able to raise the floor to the playoffs you know, or have only been able to raise the floor of a team to 500. Like Anthony Davis or LeBron or like Brad Beal or all these players who are decidedly better than him, not able to raise the floor of a team to a playoff team. And sometimes being a disaster, we over, he is certainly skilled in a lot of ways. We overrate his ability to just sort of like raise the floor of a team to an automatically legitimate basketball team because of one stretch of games three years ago against tanking teams at the end of the season. Like I, and, and the idea, yes, it would be stunning and crushing if he went somewhere else and just started shooting. I think it's more likely that he's like out of the league in two years than that happens. Like if we're, if we're just betting on those two things, you know, when the truth is probably in the middle, I think it's more likely that he's not playing NBA basketball in two years than he goes somewhere and just starts shooting and becomes like this different thing that we always imagined, you know, like I, I think it's possible whether he's in Philly or not, he gets on the court in Houston or Minnesota or whatever and goes one for his first four at the line. And, and like, we don't see him again because this thing that he thinks is, is specific to Philadelphia, this reaction is going to follow him everywhere. This is a national story and opposing fans in every place are going to be on his ass everywhere. They're, they've been on, on, on players ass for like much less than has happened to him. And every time he gets on a fucking free throw line in any away stadium, not just in Philly, any away place, any time, he gets the ball on the perimeter and he's not shooting it. And the entire crowd at an away place is screaming, shoot. This is not escaping him. And I don't think he's shown any predis any disposition toward, you know, being able to deal with that. So I, I think I, I am interested. I think it's, I agree with you. I think it's incredibly interesting, but I think the chances of us looking back on this and go, Oh shit, he became LeBron or whatever the fuck he becomes are like slim to none. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. That's why I'm interested. I, I don't think that I don't really buy in that any team he would go on to. He's a, they're a playoff team. I, I don't agree with that. Uh, I agree that people are saying that, that he's an automatic floor raiser. And I think of course, like any good player will raise your floor uh, mm-hmm. some, some level and he will provide at least some stability on the defensive end and some like free points in transition basically. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. And I look forward to being interested in that when I'm not so emotionally <laughs> tied to, to it. it. Yeah. yeah. So before we get to the mailbag and the hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week, LL Pavorsky Jewelers is the first sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. The very first one. Oh, man. And LL right now is doing the 12 deals of Christmas. I'm looking at the sixth deal right now. A rich and silky blue color in the sapphire and diamond ring with an oval center, 1.88 carats, Mike, six round brilliant diamonds for 0.18 carats, all classically set in 18 carat white gold. It's normally $2,650 right now. It's $1,595. The 12 deals of Christmas. 
like the 12 deals of Christmas, I think are actually over. But if you want any of those deals, just tell him you're a listener of the pod. If you want to buy an engagement ring, congratulations to Val's cousin, Julia, who got engaged with a LL Pavorsky engagement ring from her fiance, now Joey, who I, I couldn't even say on the air before, but congratulations to Joey. He's like 224. I don't know, some number like that. Mike, is, is his own number, his own category. Of course, Alyssa is wearing an L.L. Pavorsky ring. Has her finger turned green yet? From the no. Even better. It's turned an even better, an ever, even better color. Christmas is two weeks away, less than. If you need a, a holiday gift, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. If you need to get engaged, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Or if you just need to take screenshots of Sixers victories on Twitter and post them on Twitter, that is L.L. Pavorsky. 215-627-2252, Lee at LLPavorsky.com. Uh, at LLPavorsky is his Twitter. You can reach out to him that way as well. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Always on the list. His name is actually List List Pavorsky. <laughs> now, hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week. One is just, it's actually two of them. One, just a, a shot at CJ who needs to be doing more work. This comes from Nicholas. Timestamps would be awesome, please. CJ is here during the podcast. It would be easy enough for him to do timestamps. I, I normally put them in if there's uh, like a long filter um, because people want to get to the pod, but I feel like the pod's already pretty structured. You just go through, you know, we're going to talk about the game and after wow. the, the intro. It's excuse to not work. excuse to not work is unbelievable. The Come pod on, is viewers. structured. <laughs> and... You know what? You already, uh, we already talked about this, the play and stuff. There was a bunch of play and stuff, and there was a, another comment about them being a play and stuff, but you actually, you actually addressed that. So, I right mean, I, think, I think that they're going to be close. Like, I, if yeah, people all, like, no, the they're more of like a, five they're more of like a four to a six seed. And it's like, well, that's like two games. Like, it's, and, it's a two, two game difference. Like, the East is good. The East is, yeah. there are many good teams in the East. Some, some are going to fall off or get injured or something, but the odds of them being in a seven seed is, I would say the same as it being them being the four seed. Right, Stricky Sanchez at gmail.com is where you send your email. Send us a basketball and a non-basketball. This one comes from Ben. I believe I wrote previously that Mike sort of looks like a younger Josh Harris. No. But after, but Delete. After, don't. It's being fixed. But after going through curbed episodes recently, it's clear that Mike will actually look like Richard Lewis in about 25 years, especially given his forays into long hair earlier in the pandemic. 25 years? This is a compliment. As Richard I believe, Lewis is a thousand years old. <laughs> this is a compliment, as I believe Richard is the best non-Larry character on the show. Also in season two, Larry and Richard sit courtside of the Lakers game, and Shaq trips over Larry's shoes and gets injured. Not sure how that's relevant, except for Mike is a closeted Lakers fan. So, how do you feel going from Josh Harris to Richard Lewis? I don't feel. I did. I disregard. <laughs> His basketball question, we're going to end up stuck with D'Angelo Russell, aren't we? I didn't mention D'Angelo Russell. Is he debatably top 25? No. I don't think he is. No. Yeah. He's worse than literally every player I think we talked about in that list, in that 46 or 47 players. I think D'Angelo Russell is worse than. I would be horrified. I would be angry. And I would really, really give it to Maury on that pod. By the way, Daryl, if you're listening, you should break the news on our Twitter. We've never broken news. We should break the news of the trade and let it sit for four minutes as people try to figure out whether we're fucking around or not. Break the trade on the Ricky. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't believe it. No, I wouldn't believe it either. Um, okay, this comes from Mike. Basketball. I know Mike is going to freak out at the mere thought of this, but how do we feel about an Embiid trade? I love the big guy as much as anyone, but it seems at this point, his best basketball may be behind him. He's 27, and the entire Embiid experience is just one injury scare after another until he inevitably gets hurt for the playoffs. What are the chances he sustains another serious injury in the next three years? I'd say pretty high. Even when healthy, it seems like his entire game is now predicated off of making low percentage mid-range shots, which can be fun when it's on, but ultimately not a winning formula. The guy who dropped 47-15-7 against the Lakers in 2017 is gone, and I believe we should be proactive for once and trade him while he still has value instead of slowly watching him turn into a worse shooting version of Dirk. No respect to my German king. Who do you think the best player we could trade him for is? What about Kawhi? 
then we could still make the Dame trade and try to steal Miles Turner away from the Pacers with what we have left. Not perfect, but I don't know. I can't handle the Embiid roller coaster anymore. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's dumb. Uh, Who you're getting for Embiid has to be enough to, like, carry a full team. Like, I get that he's not maybe, like, the perfect player, the easiest player to build around. He's not, like, a 6'8" two-way wing that can do everything mm-hmm. that can like you know create from the perimeter a ton he's not in his prime michael jordan like we we know he's not like perfect I and mean, the injuries are certainly concerning but like they are so bad when he's not there and if you if you talk about like a floor raiser like put anybody else on this team and they will not make the playoffs Pretty much right. anybody else in the league. Like, there's maybe 10 guys you can put on this team that they would still be, like, about as good. Specifically because of Embiid's ability to be that defensive anchor that those yes. wings cannot be. Yes, and and draw several double, double teams a game. Like, if you're trading Embiid for... Say you want to trade him for Carl Towns and, like, picks. They will not make the playoffs. They'll be bad. Like, and... There's just plenty of times when guys, teams have guys that they have a trouble like building around, and then they get in the right situation, and you finally make it work. Like, it's just like Embiid is the best player that the Sixers have had since in his prime, Charles, and it's just like they've failed him in a bunch of ways. He hasn't been perfect. He's got things he needs to clean up, of course. But, like, he is not the issue, and he's still 27. <laughs> like, it's not... He's not 36. He's really, really, really good. And I get that he's not, like, the ideal person to maybe watch sometimes, and the mid-range maybe isn't your bag, and getting fouled a ton and just getting the line is not your bag. But, like, the results are that he's an incredible basketball player, and they need to help build around him not just trade him for like uh fucking pick anybody there's no there's so so few guys Kyle Lowry and Bam Adebayo like they'd be bad with Would those you guys trade him for Paul George? No. Would you no. trade him for Paul George and I know they're not on the same team. I'm I'm not suggesting this. I'm just trying to get Would you trade him for Paul George and Miles Turner? No. I think one thing that people have not had the luxury of seeing that often and and would change a lot of perspective on Embiid is just if he had to do less. Yeah. Like he is an amazing player that is just has to do too much on offense. I agree with that. Very simply, having a player like Harden or Lillard or one of these would just require Embiid to do less. And if he had to do less, we would see him better at the end of games. We would see him spring on defense. All, like I, I actually think the worst thing that has happened over the last couple of years is just the, the grind that they've put on him as the demand to be those both players, I think, is physically a lot. And, uh, and if he had to do less, he would be a, we, would, we would have a different view of him. And, yeah. You know, so. He, he's not Jokic offensively. He no. is not as good as Jokic offensively. No, and it's not particularly not. close. But yeah. he carries such a low, and Jokic has made himself a better defender, obviously. But like, Embiid is arguably the best defender in the league, and makes everything else work around him. And if you, I, like, obviously, if you had one of those guys, Harden, Beal, Dame, any of those types of guys, Kyrie, then we would want him to be rolling a little bit more than he does. Like, there's things that I want him to do more that he doesn't do. He's not the perfect player, obviously. But, like, finding a way to make it easier on him when he is on or off the court would make everybody's lives so much better. And the Sixers, several regimes of Sixers, uh, front offices and coaching staffs have not done that for him. And he's had to just carry them over and over and over again. They're only, they're only, even though they've disappointed in the playoffs, they've only even gotten that far because of Joel. Non-basketball question. Would you take a non-lethal bullet for your dog? If yes, what about a bullet where the consequences are unknown? Do you think your dog would take a bullet for you? On that bright note, thanks for reading and keep up the good work. 
My response to this is I came home once from a walk with my dog and told my wife, I was just thinking about it. If somebody came up with a gun, I would take a bullet for rubble. I will a million percent take a bullet for rubble. I think if he understood what taking a bullet was, he would do it for me. But I don't think he understands it, but I, I would. Mike? I don't know. I'd be I'd be interested to know. I mean, my family dog is is getting is getting up there. Love him very mm-hmm. much. Um, you doing the years math? Doing the, the years math a little bit. I I'm wondering <laughs> in the moment if it would happen. I feel like I feel like I would make some decision, and it would be either to like run at the shooter, or or dive in front. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'd be, I'd be interested to find out. I I like the idea of taking a bullet for someone I care about for sure. It's just, if it, I did, I don't, I wonder where the line is. I don't know. What's the top 25 line of people I would take a bullet for. Is it, I don't, I don't, it's hard to find. It's hard to find. Arguably it's 40 long, arguably it's like five long. I don't know. I don't know. I, can you imagine you doing the same math about your like yep. parents? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I love my cousins, but like, are they top 25? Like how, how would we get it there? Yeah. yeah, I would. I would take a bullet for my cousins. P.S. Mike, for the love of God, please just one time say that Ben sucks without qualifying the statement. That was the P.S. I mean, he, he doesn't. He doesn't suck. We can be mad at him. Like, Andre Drummond doesn't suck. And I'm mad at him all the time. Like, Ben's a better player than Drummond. But, like, just be – yeah. Anyway, we've done it. From Luke, dear Mike and Spike, I'm sure you both remember the clueless Jeopardy contestant who thought Joel Embiid's nickname was Duo 180. But a thought occurred to me, wouldn't that be a very – accurate nickname for number 25, considering what he would fucking do whenever he drove into the paint, jumping as high as he could, was turn away from the hoop to pass to Tobias or some other bum who wasn't going to shoot it. Might be, Duo 180 might have been a good nickname for him. He did do a lot of 180s. Uh, Non-basketball question, favorite Philly restaurant? I don't know. I don't know enough to know. I haven't been to it, been to enough of them. Well, my, uh, I would say non-vegan, it would be W.M. Mulhern's. I love that that restaurant. It makes me occasionally wish that I wasn't vegan anymore. But I am, so I can't really eat there. They don't have much that I can eat. But um, And last one. Hmm. Hmm. All right. This comes from George. Hi, Spike Mike CJ. Hope all is well and happy holidays. Basketball question. Does it make sense to look at a potential Toby for Buddy Heel trade at this point? This would open up the lane for both Maxi and Drives and Embiid. Obviously, Toby is a better overall player, but having someone like Buddy who is not shy and has a quick trigger, I believe, would help. Also, at this point, I like Maxi's chances of breaking down his man late game better than Tobias. I don't think that you would get Buddy Heel for Tobias Harris. Do you? Oh, I disagree. I disagree. I think that they've been they've been trying to trade Buddy Heel for a long time. But he's interesting, man. He he really does get him up. He gets him up. Yeah. He is shooting a, a, a career worst right now, 35% from three, um, which seems like it'll correct itself because the previous years were 39, 39, 43, 43. And by the um, way, 35 at like 10, what does he shoot? 10 a game? 10 a game, like yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's interesting. He's an interesting player. And he's he's added more ball handling to his uh repertoire. I don't think you like love him doing that, but he's definitely doing more of it. Um and yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting it's an interesting idea. Cause I, I think in a vacuum, I think Tobias is a better player. I know you maybe don't, but I, I think he's I think he's a better player. I think he's a better defensive player. I think he's a smarter player, all this stuff. Um but as far as like just shooting accuracy and volume and how good they look when it's like Embiid and Niang, who's just like hoists and is obviously not the volume shooter that Buddy Heald is. It's it's interesting. It might be interesting. I think that might be a better way. Like Buddy might be the better way to to maximize Embiid, especially I, if it's if it's Maxi doing more stuff and and then you know Seth doing some more uh, pick and roll and dribble handoff stuff. But I if in the in the games Embiid misses, I do think Tobias is a more helpful player. Although they're would, bad anyway, so maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, and not helpful enough. I, I can't imagine if that trade was out there that Maury wouldn't make it. Now, there's a lot of other things. Who knows? But Buddy Heald would be, I think, just 
much more helpful on a successful Embiid team than than Harris would be. So, and non basketball question: What is the right type of jelly to put on a peanut butter and jelly? I clearly think it's grape, but others use strawberry or raspberry. Do you have an opinion on this? Everyone seems to have a a staunch opinion on the correct jelly flavor. Uh, I'm allergic to peanuts, so I don't do that. Uh, almond but butter. Almond, almond butter. I do. I like to do like a raspberry situation. Hmm. I would put that third in the three he mentioned. I can't stand raspberry anything. I go grape, strawberry, raspberry. I believe that grape is very clearly the best of the jellies, but you know. I think they pretty much all taste the same, and it's pretty mm-hmm. good. I like it. I like a jelly, and there's not much. I like an apricot sometimes to fire that in there. Mm. Preserves or a jelly? You're talking Either about way. A preserves. Either way. All right. Well, they beat the Warriors. Didn't see that one coming. And the trade market is heating up. Boy, just end this already. I'm glad you waited so long. Congratulations, Daryl. You're stronger than all of us. Now end it. Put a so cork in. Today's Darryl. December 12th. Mm-hmm. The, our next podcast will be after the Heat game on Wednesday. So there'll be a Grizzlies game. Grizzlies have been good lately. And mm-hmm. then a Heat game. And that is on December 15th. Oh, wouldn't it be nice, Daryl? Just not have to do an extra podcast. I, that's, I mean, I, he's got to factor that into his calculus. He has yeah. to. Yeah. Any good GM would. Uh, it would be so convenient. Can you imagine the trade happens that day, then the game, then the podcast? It would be for so remi- For a reminder for people, this is when December 14th or 15th? I'm forgetting. 15th. 15th. 15th is the day that players who were signed this summer, some of them are eligible to be traded now. There are some right. that got extended that like Malcolm Brogdon can't be traded this season. There's a couple others like that. But basically, almost the entire league is eligible to be traded now, whereas before they weren't. So, Daryl, break it on the Ricky and then do it that night on the 15th. Would be arguably Christmas morning is December 15th. It's coming. Yeah. We'll we'll change Christmas. All right. We'll uh, talk to you next time. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know, like face. If you don't fuck with me, then I I won't fuck fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, 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 I